Cup is the most exciting sporting tournament in the planet. For a month every four summers, everything shuts down. There's the 32 countries involved, and even those who aren't are overcome with World Cup fever. The best players are typically on show, and the teams billed as dark horses can usually be just as exciting to watch. Then there are the smaller teams, the one who's had to fight to be there. Teams who can provide an upset, buoyed by having their opportunity to put their nation on the spotlight. It's also a chance for players to put themselves in the metaphorical shot window. There's a school of thought that suggests clubs shouldn't buy players based on their performances at tournaments. But for players from smaller countries, that doesn't exist. It's still a great opportunity for them to catch the eye of a scout and earn a dream move to a top league. Last summer, at Russia 2018, it was Panama's turn. The Central American country of just 4 million people that is known more for its canal and exports to Major League Baseball had its chance to impress. But little did the world know that just 12 months prior, the football community in the country were mourning one of their star players. The time is approaching midnight, and a full moon can be seen from the window. It's the perfect night for tales of true crime and woe. And this week, conspiracies, underdogs, and a trip to Russia make up the show. This is the dead ball situation. Panama, as Van Halen wrote, is a place where you can barely see the road from the heat coming off of it. It has a lot of flavours and sounds, but it's never been known for its prowess on the football pitch. Even now, just six months after their first appearance at a World Cup, the country is without a win since April 2017, and that was a win over Trinidad and Tobago in a friendly. Put simply, the word overachieving was invented for teams like Panama. And that's not to say they're not proud of the players they produce. Take Almacar Henriquez, for example, an all-action midfielder who featured 85 times for Los Canaleros and took in spells in Colombia and Costa Rica as well as several turns with one of the country's top clubs. The reason I pick Henriquez, who's also known as Mickey, is because it's been suggested that there was a darker element to his career, one that some believe led to his death in 2017. Born in Panama City in August 1983, he began his career with Arabe Unido as a 20-year-old. He quickly established himself as a key player for the side, but after four years and two league titles, he felt that he had a shot at something bigger. He spent three years with Atletico Huila in the Colombian top flight. They were a solid mid-table team, and he was a solid mid-table player, but his contribution was now getting a bigger audience. In 2009, he helped Panama win their first piece of silverware since lifting the now-defunct CCCF Championship in 1951. The team travelled to Honduras for the Copa Central America, and despite being thrashed by favourites Costa Rica 3-0 in the first game, they conspired to make their way to the final, where the two teams would meet again. The game was a cagey and dysfunctional 0-0 draw. Extra time yielded no breakthrough, so the game went to penalties. With Panama 4-3 up, with one kick left, they sent up Mickey to put the game beyond doubt. 
which he did with aplomb, and winning the game and the tournament for his country. But while Panama didn't push on, Mickey did. When his stint with Ulia ended, he moved to Independiente Medellin, where he established himself as an integral part of this huge club, making 64 appearances in two years. His stay there was brief, though, and he returned to Unido in the summer of 2014. But just 12 games later, he was back in Colombia, this time with second division side, Real Cartagena. Clearly too good for second division football, he was on the move again following another handful of appearances, linking up with America Cali. But again, he would only last a season before making his way back to Unido, where he would see out the remainder of his career. Despite his club career being unsteady, his international career was nailed on. He played a crucial part in Panama coming close to advancing to the CONCACAF qualifiers in the 2014 World Cup. However, in their last match against the USA, they led 2-1 and were on the brink of advancing to the playoffs to face New Zealand. But they couldn't hold on, and they conceded two late goals in stoppage time and were eliminated, leaving Mexico to take up the playoff spot. Three years later, Mickey reflected on that defeat as Panama made similar strides towards the upcoming tournament in Russia. We're fighting for a dream that escaped us. A golden end for this generation after many years of suffering and battling, he told the FIFA.com website. That hurt marked us all, and it still saddens. It was taken from us in the blink of an eye. In April 2017, Panama were once again making strides to finally qualify for a World Cup. They'd already beaten Honduras and drawn with Mexico during the first stage, and on March 28th they drew one all with the United States. But this was to be the last of Henriquez's 85 caps for Panama, as less than a month later, he'd be dead. Despite having the lowest homicide rate in Central America, with 424 killings occurring in 2017, the streets are still dangerous, and gang culture is rife throughout the country let alone in the capital city. However, while the violence and the poverty that blights Panama isn't on the same level as its neighbours, it could still be a dangerous place. Part of this is down to the fact that it's a major transit point for cocaine coming out of Colombia towards the lucrative North American market. In 2016, 80 tonnes of the white stuff was seized. And if you think that number is big, imagine how much more made it through. Usually, football gives players a comfortable cushion from the daily struggles that most people face. But this isn't the case in Central America. Many players in Central America, particularly those in the lower divisions, are still vulnerable and working for drug cartels alongside their careers as footballers. Players in Panama typically come from the lowest strata of society, where the crime rate in their neighbourhood can be as high as 80%. They get some good fortune, they get some money... They're in prime position to be manipulated. But was Almacar Henriquez one of those players? There's a story he used to tell about a time he was held at gunpoint. Robbers ambushed him, took his things and held a pistol to his head. He said that the gunman even pulled the trigger. But luckily, the gun jammed and he made a getaway. Instances like this aren't completely unheard of, even for players who have nothing to do with the cartels. But while Mickey was lucky there, his luck would run out on April 15th, 2017. The day began normally. 
Mickey had the day off and spent it at home with his wife and two infant sons. In the afternoon, two friends came over and they sat down to play dominoes and shoot the breeze over a few beers. At 4.30 in the afternoon, Mickey got up to leave the house and his friends followed. He had no idea that gunmen were waiting next door, ready to pounce when he stepped out into the driveway. And when he did, they gave the sign, and a red Nissan Versa rolled by and fired 23 shots at the midfielder, using an AK-47 and a 9mm. Mickey's wife, Jani, heard the noise and came running outside and feared the worst. When there, she found Mickey slumped on the ground, bleeding from multiple gunshot wounds. She froze but there was nothing that could be done. Mickey was dead. She had to react though, to prevent her young children from wandering outside and seeing something that would have left deeper scars as they grew older. Two other men were hit as well. Delano Wilson, who some say was a friend of Mickey's, he didn't make it. However, Wilson's sister later came forward to say that he was just out to get lunch and got caught in the crossfire. And Josimar Gomez, who sustained injuries, but ultimately survived. The country was plunged into mourning. Mickey was well-liked, respected, and on course to live out his dream of playing for his country at a World Cup. Panamanian president Juan Carlos Ferreira condemned the gunman and called on the authorities in Colón to find the culprits. We strongly condemn the killing of Almecar Henriquez. We will give the city of Colón all the security forces needed to catch those responsible, he said. At Mickey's funeral... His number 21 shirt was draped over the coffin. English coach Gary Stempel, who'd spent years managing club teams in the country and even led the national team to their Copa Centro America glory in 2009, said, I always cared for him a lot. He was a great player, very disciplined and respectful. I couldn't believe his death. He had to be a part of this team. But why did this happen? What could have drove a well-liked, talented and respected family man to be gunned down in cold blood? Nearly two years on? Nobody knows for sure. The police had initially arrested four men in connection with the killing, but let them all go. The 70-year-old woman and the three teenage girls living at the home next door were also told not to leave the country while the investigation was underway, but nothing came of it. But the cops were accused of dragging their feet over the investigation. They claimed that there had been a feud, but didn't give more details. A middle-aged Colombian man, who's believed to have known Mickey during his time playing in the country, was wanted in connection to the murder, but he himself was assassinated before police could get to him. Was it possible that Mickey had been involved in the cartels after all? Many have friends and families in gangs, a past link to that. Almacar was an established player, an international who'd played abroad, so it can be hard to explain said Juan Ramon Solis, president of the recently formed Players' Union. We didn't know his case, but for many players, that life, that environment, is hard to leave behind. That's where the enemy appears to take their life. Another theory is that one of his family members took the wrong side in a neighbourhood drug war and a gang called the Newtown Boys made Mickey pay for it with his life. His widow, though, has a theory of her own. My husband had received a threat from a friend. He was demanding money from him, she said. He was so worried, he told me about it. And he went to the police and told them, and they told him not to worry. Not to worry? Days later, he was dead. One of the last things he said to me before he died was make sure you take care of the kids. Stay strong for them. 
He knew something was about to happen. But who was this friend? Police still haven't made any meaningful arrests, and no one has been brought to justice. Whatever the reason, Mickey found himself as victim of the system in Panama, and it's left a young family with a hole that can never be filled. But his teammates made sure that his legacy lived on. But only just. The remainder of their qualifying campaign in the fifth round of the awkward CONCACAF group stage saw them pick up some shaky results. The draw of the USA was followed by draws with Costa Rica and Honduras, and a 3-0 win over Trinidad and Tobago lay either side of defeats to Mexico and the United States. It would all come down to the last game against Costa Rica. At the Estadio Romel Fernandez in Panama City, 26,000 crammed in to watch history being made. The visitors led for most of the game, before veteran striker Blas Perez equalised in the second half. They needed a miracle. And luckily, one was provided by giant defender Roman Torres. With just three minutes left on the clock, the centre-back found himself in the opposition area rushing into a flick-on from a long ball. And with one strike of his giant boot, he made himself a national hero. Panama were drawn in a tough group with one of the tournament favourites, Belgium. And in England, they faced another country whose resources far outstretched their own. And lastly, Tunisia, which they knew would be a game that could go either way. They earned plaudits for keeping Belgium at bay for 45 minutes, but a 3-0 defeat ensued. It was a heavy scoreline, but one that didn't belie their efforts. But against England, it all collapsed. The three Lions were rejuvenated under Gareth Southgate and high off a last-minute winner in their own opener against Tunisia had arrived in the mood to cause some damage. England put six past Panama but in the 78th minute another old man of the team, Felipe Baloy, wrote himself into the record books by pulling back a consolation goal. In the final game they took the lead against the North Africans. An own goal from Yassine Maria put them ahead midway through the first half but they couldn't hold on, and Tunisia overturned the deficit with two goals in the second half. But there were moments to take away. The presenters of ESPN Panama broke into tears upon hearing their national anthem being played on the world's biggest stage. And for a country with little infrastructure and coaching, playing a sport that comes second to baseball, they didn't disgrace themselves. Sure, losing 6-1 isn't ideal, but the gulf between Panama and England is so wide, there was never really going to be any other outcome. But this episode isn't about the team. It's about Almacar Henriquez, a seemingly good man and consummate professional who was taken far too soon in horrifying circumstances. Rest in peace, Mickey.
a sad story. After researching this case, it almost certainly feels like Mickey wasn't in the pockets of a cartel. But situations out of his control dragged him in from the periphery and into the centre. It's quite shocking to read how little protection players get from the drug business in Central America. They're obviously going to be targeted once they get some money and notoriety. In one of the articles I read from The Guardian, it claimed that 19 footballers had been killed in Panama since 1990. For many players there, the outcome is usually either death or jail. It's a problem that affects society as much as the game. Footballers there live and come from difficult backgrounds, with over 70% being labelled as living as a social risk. Broken families, poor education and lack of youth development all add up to put these players at risk. The low salaries of the professional leagues in Panama doesn't help either. The same article gave a testimony from a former under-20 international, Rodrigo Tello, who's now serving time in Panama's roughest jail, Joyita, for robbery, because the system failed him, and he got caught stealing in an effort to feed his family. Look at my case, he says. Robbery. Need. Football hasn't given me anything. There was nothing to eat, Clubs abuse your ability. The system doesn't help. I thought, I have so much talent that I can't even help my mum. You get ideas, you choose a different path. I chose badly. The ones who got out are the lucky ones. But hopefully their appearance at the World Cup will provide a spark for football in the country to push on and offers more youngsters an opportunity to escape poverty that ravages their neighbourhoods. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the latest episode Your continued support is very, very much appreciated. If you wanted to go on further and leave a rating or a review of the show, it really does help us push the show up the rankings and reach more people. Also, if you're so inclined, tell a friend. I'd like that too. The article I mentioned earlier, along with the others I used to make the show, will all go into the resource dump once the episode is live. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com, The Dead Ball Situation. And you can shoot me a message there if you have any questions or suggestions. I hope you all had a great Christmas and New Year and spent it with your friends, families and loved ones. We've got two more episodes of season one left before we take a break. But don't worry, during that time I'll be off working hard to put to get the second season together, which will hopefully be ready in time for the spring. Thank you once again for tuning in. and I hope 2019 will be a great year for you, me and everyone in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah.